Hey, it's Rebecca, and you can hear new episodes of No Limits four days early on TuneIn. All right, everyone, welcome to RJ Answers. We're going to do our second conversation today. Joining us is Jessica Gartenstein. She graduated from the University of Chicago in June, and we featured her here right on the show as an entrepreneur of the week because she's the creator of the non-dairy nice cream. It's called Fronin. It's bananas, honey, and a hint of lemon juice, and she won this big challenge. It was the new venture challenge at the Booth School of Business at the University of Chicago, and they won some funding for that, and now she's on her way building out the business. And here she is in our conversation together. Hello. Hi, it's Rebecca Jarvis. You're on RJ Answers Live. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. This is our second rendition of RJ Answers, so I'm excited to have you on board. So this is Jessica Gartenstein on the line. Welcome. Thank you. Where are you calling from, Jessica? I'm calling from my apartment in Chicago. (laughs) Very fun. Wonderful. What can I help you with today? Sure. So I guess my first question is, I know you went to U Chicago. I just graduated. And I was wondering, what is one thing that you wish someone had told you when you were making the transition from college into the real world and having a job? Well, first off, congratulations on your graduation. Um, And congratulations (laughs) on the success. I understand that you also have created this company, Fronin. We featured you as our No Limits Entrepreneur of the Week on this non-dairy nice cream, Fronin. Um, So congratulations. You're already off to a great start. Thank you. Yeah, I was so excited. I'm so happy. Well, I'm glad that I'm glad that we can feature women like you who are doing really cool, interesting things. I think when I go back to that early me who graduated from the University of Chicago now almost 15 years ago, I would say that one of the things I wish is that someone had said to me, worry less. Um You know, I was so intent on doing everything right and perfectly because it was just a matter to me in my head of you get one shot and with that one shot, you have to make the most of it. And I still agree that you have to make the most of every opportunity that's in front of you. But I think that one of the things that I could have done a better job of is enjoying things more and enjoying the moment. And, you know, we talk a lot on No Limits about networking, for example. And one of the things I think I I mistook when I went into networking early on is that I just went into each networking situation feeling like I really had to blow away the person standing next to me. I had to make them think that I was worthy of the conversation with them. And I wish instead of going in with that mentality, I would have gone into the conversation thinking, I want to have a great conversation. I'm going to enjoy a conversation and learn about new people. And I think whether or not the outcomes would have been different or the same is sort of neither here nor there. The most important thing to me is about enjoying the journey. And I realize you probably are very similar to me and that you have really big dreams and aspirations. And that is wonderful. But you have to enjoy the moments along the way when you're pursuing those dreams and aspirations. And I wish that someone had said to me early on, enjoy it. And people probably did. And I probably completely ignored them. But hopefully this message will hit someone along the way and they'll think, you know what, if I'm in one of these moments and I'm not you know, it's it's not about just being perfect and making people believe that you're really good or that you're really capable. It's about enjoying. So enjoy more. Yeah, that's so true. And I think my full-time job offer, I really just focused on that and struggled with, you know, really enjoying the fact that I was starting something new and something of my own and how cool that was because 
I was kind of letting the stress of what am I giving up and what am I doing? You know, is this the right thing to do? Is this the wrong thing to do? Really, really get to me. Yeah, with networking especially, it's always, you know, so I guess you go into a networking event with the mentality of, I just want to be so interesting and the best person to talk to you. And I really want them to remember me and how to get people to remember you that you kind of lose just what you're there for and really being yourself and having fun. Yeah, Um, I really do. I really believe that that also is something that if you have fun and you're yourself and sure, you can put your best foot forward in that conversation, but enjoy it. I actually think that makes it more memorable. Because there's a genuine connection there. If you're really enjoying it, the chances are they're really enjoying it, too. And that's a genuine connection. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, being in a leadership role, especially as a woman, you know, I really admire your career path. How do you make sure that your voice is heard? More from our discussion after a quick word from our sponsor. Over 3 million businesses use Indeed.com for hiring. And independent research shows five times more hires are made through Indeed than any other job site. By creating the easiest, most effective hiring experience, Indeed helps businesses find great new people every day. Right now, Indeed is giving new users a $50 credit to post a sponsored job on the world's number one job site. Claim your credit at Indeed.com slash offer. Terms, conditions, and quality standards apply. Being in a leadership role, especially as a woman, I really admire your career path. How do you make sure that your voice is heard? Thank you. Well, I think, first of all, being on a career path and making sure your voice is heard, man or woman, can be difficult. Um, You know, I think one of the things that I've thought a lot about in my career, and it, it changes actually over time, But especially in the early years, somebody said to me, and I think this was a really smart point, they said, choose your spots, choose when you're going to speak up, make it an important moment. And what I did is I would go into situations in terms of speaking up, whether it was in the office meeting with people who were senior to me or outside of an office meeting, meeting new people, thinking about them thinking about the things that were important to them and having sort of in my back pocket a handful of things that I was ready to speak about, but really thinking through what I wanted to say before I started talking. And look, whether it's right or wrong, people can judge you on presentation. You know, people make that first impression in a very short span of time. So I think it's really, especially early on, it's a good idea to give thought when you're especially if you're in a meeting and there are a bunch of people there and they're talking about ideas it's a really good thing to give some thought to what it is you're going to say and how you're going to say it before you start sharing that idea and if people aren't listening and this especially i think comes up as you get more and more senior along the way if you're feeling like you're not being heard taking a step back and saying okay why am i not being heard am i not being heard because of how I'm sharing the message. Am I not being heard because the people in this conversation are just naturally not going to listen or pay attention to me? If it if it has anything to do with you, one of the things early on, and you you don't really know, you'll never for certain know, but one of the things you can try if you feel like you're not being heard is try different ways of sharing your message. Is it that you need to share your message in writing and then reiterate it verbally? Is it that you need to think about tweaking how you start sharing your message? One thing I always talk to people about is thinking about what are the most important keys 
to that message and making sure that you lead with that most important thing so that it doesn't get lost somewhere else in the mix of the things that you're saying. And then finally, if it's other people, if you feel like you've tried everything, you've tried communicating in different ways, in different formats, and you're still not getting heard and it's other people, then I think it's a matter of reaching out to uh, someone that you trust ideally who's senior to you but if that's not a possibility then talking to someone else who's who's on the same level as you and asking them first off why do they think it's happening and second of all can they help you can they reiterate the things that you're saying one thing that um women who have sort of combated this issue and i've read about this in in different environments but women who have found themselves not being listened to as much in meetings they as groups have begun to reiterate what the other woman in the meeting says so if for some reason the group is not paying attention all of a sudden one woman speaks up and then the next woman speaks up and reiterates what the first woman said and that's a very useful tool for reminding the group a whose idea it was first and b making sure that that idea stays in the conversation so that it's not totally gone yeah that's really great advice especially because i think you know in a leadership role at least I've always tried to be conscious of the balance between being, you know, assertive and aggressive, but also being kind and, you know, listening to other people as well. And it's actually funny. I listened to the um, episode with Jennifer Hyman where she talked about this and it really resonated with me and definitely, you know, inspired me to think more about how I talk and how I'm perceived and, you know, building a personal Brand, do you have any advice on that and the most effective way to kind of discover what your personal brand is? <laughs> We're all so thoughtful about personal brands nowadays. When I was, I, I mean, yeah. just the idea of a personal brand when I was at the UFC wouldn't even come into play. No one was talking about this. So there, I sort of have mixed views on this. First of all, yes, is your brand important? Sure, it's important. But why is it important? What is it? What is important to you? And I think that you have to answer that question and ask yourself, A, why do I care about what people perceive as my personal brand? And B, what do I really want to do with this? Because until you have those two answers, figuring out what your personal brand is sort of doesn't even matter as much. And someone might totally disagree with that. I'm curious if they do let me know why you disagree with that. Yeah. Um, but but to me, that personal brand is about what do you care about? What's the most important thing to you? For me, some of the most important things are, are honesty, authenticity, um, telling it like it is. Those are really, really important to me and demystifying reality and getting to the heart of what a real story is. Um, and that that's what we try and do here on No Limits every single episode. But I think for you, you have to answer those questions about what's important to you and why you want people to know what's important to you. And then you just exude that in everything that you do. It, it always comes back to those things. And at a certain point, especially if it becomes that you are your brand and your brand is your business or something along those lines, you have to always come back to that, especially as you get older and you build out whatever brands that you're going to build out, whether it's your specific individual brand or your business brand. It's important to always come back to that. And especially if it's a business, you'll have opportunities that are great opportunities, but aren't necessarily you. And that's where this whole thing gets more and more complicated, in my opinion. And it, you're so much better off if you've thought through who you are 
and what you stand for and what the brand stands for ahead of that so that you can easily say, no, this this even though this sounds great on the surface, this is not right for me. Yeah, that's so important. And I think, you know, coming right out of college, there's almost this expectation that you have to know exactly what you want. And it seems like everyone around you really has an idea of the career field that they want to go into. They're all lying. (laughs) No, I mean, there's so much pressure. I mean, just like when you were in, we've had, I have conversations like this as well. When you're in high school and you think, oh, there's the perfect college for me. And then that's going to put me on the perfect path to the perfect career. I left college. I had a job in finance. I completely pivoted, left finance after two years, found my way to journalism. It was not this perfect, oh, I know exactly what I want to do and I'm going to map it out and sketch it out. When I look backwards, a lot of it starts to make sense. It's actually easier to look backwards and say it kind of makes sense how I got to where I am than when I was looking forward at the time. I had no idea. I mean, if somebody had said to me when I was graduating from college, um, you need to find a way to get a job at Good Morning America, I would have said, huh? Like, I don't know anybody who I can call. I have no idea how I would ever get there. Again, this is another reason why we do No Limits, because it's talking to women who have been in all of these different roles, whether they're founders or CEOs or chief brand officers or they're running marketing or they're running operations or they're running engineering. It's looking at all of these different things and demystifying the path. But every single one of these women will pretty much say the same thing, which is there isn't one path. And people who tell you they know absolutely with certainty what they want. Sure, I believe I said in jest that no one knows. I believe that some people do. But the majority of people, life is always a journey. And genuinely what I'm doing today 20 years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, will I be doing the same thing? I honestly couldn't tell you because who knows? Opportunities might present themselves. You never know. Yeah. Would you say that you're the kind of person who plans everything out? (laughs) Or because I think, you know, in college, I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to apply for this job at X date and planned everything out. And then when, you know, the competition at Booth happened and I'm starting a business, I'm really struggling with how to one, you know, structure my own day because I don't have the you know, the University of Chicago to say, okay, go to class at this time. And then, right. you know, an employer to come at this time and really just, you know, trying to find this happy medium of planning, but also just going with what happens during the day. Yeah. Well, I really, I believe there is a happy medium somewhere in there. Um, for me, I, I plan and I, I keep a calendar and I put a lot of things on my calendar to make sure yeah. that they happen um, because that's important. You know, you especially when it comes to things outside of your specific job. So extracurriculars, some of those if if you're going to do those things, you must plan them. And, And it took a long time for me to learn that I would never, ever plan for vacations or taking time off. I would just kind of assume that at some point my schedule would be clear. And then all of a sudden at that point that things were clear is when I would ultimately go to my boss and say, "Okay, I'm going to take a vacation now. That doesn't happen. The only way that you take a vacation, the only way that you have downtime is if you build a fence around it and you say this is going to happen. But like you, I'm also or kind of like you laid out, I'm open to possibility and where 
there are certain things that I do try and hold sacred. I'm also willing, and I'm really lucky that I have a partner that's willing to do this with me. I'm willing to um, move around and and make something happen that is a great opportunity and and figure it out. And and I do think that's another part of it. It's just like you figure things out. Um, just like you've figured out how to study for a test um, when you didn't have enough time to study for a test, just like you figured out how to write a paper that seemed impossible when you first sat down to write it. And then who knows, like three days later, how it all came together. Um, I, I definitely I don't know if you do this ever. I looked back on some of my college papers and after the fact would be like, wait, how did I come up with? That? I have no clue how I came up with that. But anyway, I think it's really important to if if you're the kind of person who needs structure, then go for it. You have to make that structure. If you're the kind of person who thrives more in a space where you're you're not as rigid, then that's that's what that's what you have to do to be to be good. I'm somewhere in between. And I again, I keep a calendar. I put everything on my calendar. If it's not on my calendar, it's going to be a really difficult thing for me to make it happen, but that said, if something incredible, some wonderful once in a lifetime opportunity shows up and it's not on my calendar and it conflicts with something, I am open to the idea that I might have to move a few things around. Yeah, I think I'm in that in-between space as well and just you know, learning how to navigate it. Just coming right out of college, I actually felt sad. I was When September came around, I was like, oh no, I'm not going back to school. And right. I never thought I would feel that way, but universe works in mysterious ways. Um, so another question I had is how did you build a skill of being such a great public speaker? So I've been involved in a lot of different pitch competitions for my business and I'm really looking for tips on how to captivate an audience. Well, I think first of all, experience is number one. The more you do, and I'm sure you felt this way, right? Like the more you do the pitches, the more comfortable you feel with them. Definitely. So that's a great thing. The fact that you've done this already, that already puts you a a foot ahead of of anybody who hasn't. But I also think a lot of the time people have this misconception when they go and speak in front of a group that it's about them. And really, it's about the group. And how do you feel the energy of the room? What do people in that room want to hear? And I oftentimes, before a speech, you know, I have my set speech and generally what I'm going to say, but I oftentimes will, there'll be, you know, cocktail hours or things like that before a speech, meet and greet. And I'll oftentimes ask people there, what do you want to hear? What's the most important message? And oftentimes people will say things about what they're most curious about. And with you, so much of your public speaking is about pitching your business. Uh, eventually, it might be about fundraising for your business. So it's really reading that audience and asking yourself what's going to resonate with them. Storytelling always resonates with audiences. So if you can tell a good story, you're in a great spot. But also when it comes to sharing, if you're sharing statistics or facts and figures, making choosing the most pertinent things so what's the what's the most eye-opening statistic what's the most pertinent number that's going to sell the idea and then just continually doing it presentation the last component of all of this presentation i think just 
totally takes practice. And I think that the it's it's like asking for a raise, frankly. I tell people start asking for raises early on because you'll get better and better along the way. So or or asking for a promotion or you know, anything that requires a potentially questionable audience, somebody that may or may not be interested in what you have to say, the more you start doing those things early on in your life, the more comfortable you'll become as the stakes get higher and higher with them. Yeah, definitely. You know, the more times I do speak in front of a crowd about the business, the more comfortable I have gotten. I think sometimes I just freeze. Yeah. And maybe it's because I'm like, you know, trying to read people's faces too much. And then I like really just think about that. And then I'm like, oh, no, did I mess something up? Are they enjoying what I'm saying? Are they not? And that's definitely a hat I'm trying to break. I think also just saying to yourself, the worst thing that can happen is really not the end of the world. Yes. Okay. The the stakes are definitely high. You want to sell your business. You would love to win the competition. But Let's just imagine that doesn't happen and put yourself there. If that doesn't happen, that's not great, but it's also not the end of your business. It's not the end of the world. You can keep going. And I think there's it's important before you get up on that stage to acknowledge that inside of yourself, that you're going to go up there. You're going to do your very best. But even if you do your absolute worst, there's another day tomorrow and you can get back up and you can do it again. Yeah, I'm definitely going to remind myself that. I think it's really helpful to put things into perspective. Yes. And, you know, before I took an exam, I would always say, like, okay, if I fail this, <laughs> it's going to be okay. Everything is going to be okay. There's always, I, I genuinely believe, the number one thing I do believe in this space is there is always another chance. You create that opportunity for yourself, and you have to believe inside of yourself that if whatever it is today doesn't work out, you're going to figure out a plan B tomorrow. Um, and, and you have to trust that that is going to happen. Yeah. And I think, you know, just at this stage, really, like what you said earlier about looking back and thinking, you know, how did I do that? That's great. I think it's so hard to sometimes trust myself at the same time, you know, going with your gut instinct is so important. So usually when something doesn't feel like it's right or, It isn't, you know, I kind of have that, but definitely putting it into perspective is very helpful. And I guess, you know, what's the most important lesson you've learned at a job and how has it been valuable to other experiences? That's a big question. Um, Well, I think one of the most important things is recognizing how important your your track record is and what you're known for and who you are known to be in a work environment. You know, it was always and still is really important to me to be known as somebody who works really hard and who cares a lot about the product, who pays attention to detail, um, who really respects her coworkers uh, and the people around her. And, So I I think it's about, for me, the most important thing is the reminder of the person that you bring to work every day and who you want to be every day in that job and to be the best that you can be, but also to help the people around you 
be the best that they can be. Yeah, I think it's really valuable. And, you know, working with a team, especially completely being, you know, part of a team and being a team player. And I think, you know, it's interesting right now, my co-founder and I are two people and we have a few other people that have helped us out. Just really communicating and remembering, you know, to put things into perspective has been so important. Yeah. And I guess, you know, how did you learn to manage with the stresses of a demanding job, you know, after transitioning from college and how are those stresses different to you? So initially, I mean, the biggest stress initially was that, and it still exists, that there's never enough time to do all the things that you want. But really, I mean, really, when I started out, I started out in investment banking and I worked a hundred plus hours in the week and, you know, I would go home essentially in the middle of the night when all of my roommates were asleep and I would wake up before they left the apartment when they were still asleep and leave. And it was an exhausting, uh, stressful, you know, oftentimes very high pressure because it would be me trying to deliver something to a boss and not having enough time to get that thing done and done to the level that I would love to have it done at. So that was a really stressful part of the job early on. Now I have, I mean, obviously I have to get my story ready for World News Tonight uh, or Good Morning America on time for the show because there's just, it's not going to work if I get it done after the show is over. But that said, what's more stressful at this point is having really big goals and not necessarily always being able to live up to those really big goals. I mean, I try every day, but some of them you're just you're not going to be fully there. Um, And I think that the best thing about managing stress over time is, again, experience and a recognizing that not everything is going to work out and that's going to have to be okay, And b recognizing that perfection, you know, you're always going to strive for it. But some points, it's just not going to be the most perfect thing. Sometimes the B plus is going to be what you have to do. Um, and and get and guess what? The world goes on. So trying your very hardest every single day and always thinking that you can elevate your game and working to elevate your game is super important. But at the same time, recognizing that you're a human being and you're going to have to just keep going tomorrow if today wasn't the perfect thing. And I think that sometimes that helps alleviate some of the stress because you recognize over time that while things really matter in the moment, the big picture is the more important thing. That's why you have to be able to say, I'm going to try and enjoy this whole thing. Not every moment is going to be a cakewalk. Not every moment is going to be exactly what you want. But if you're maxing out all of this time and you're stressing out and you're not doing things that make you happy, then you do have to take a step back and think, okay, either could I could I be doing the same thing, but doing it differently and be more happy? Or is there some real change that needs to happen here? Yeah, definitely. And these are definitely things I'm going to constantly remind myself of and I remind myself of them constantly every day and it's all it's all evolving too I mean you could ask every single woman on no limits these questions and they all one of the reasons why I love the conversations that we have here is that they have different answers and they're all really smart valuable answers to these very questions yeah I mean I'm so glad that this podcast exists and it's (laughs) definitely you know it's so important 
to listen to empowered women. And I think that just, you know, I've gotten so much, I guess, free advice just from listening. And every time that I think that something is going terribly wrong, it really does calm me down. And it really does put things into perspective because I think, you know, seeing successful women, you wonder, you know, you kind of think that, oh, they never failed. And it's really, it's never been a cakewalk for anyone. No. And I think just struggling is so important. Yeah. And it's good to be reminded of that. And this is definitely the place I go to be reminded of that. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Well, Jessica, congratulations on what you're building with Fronin. Thank you so much for joining the conversation today. And let us know. I'm really excited. By the way, when you're in New York, you have to come by ABC. (laughs) I would love that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good luck with everything. Have a great weekend. Thanks. Thanks. You too. Bye. And thanks to all of you for listening. Remember, if you have questions that you want to share here on the podcast and have a conversation with me, just like Jessica Gartenstein, you can send me an email at no limits with RJ podcast at gmail.com. Again, that is no limits with RJ podcast at gmail.com. Have a great weekend. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts.